Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman, and I'm here with my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. Also here with our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. And today, if you are listening, this is the Just for Laughs special because Shane and I were just in Montreal for the JFL... Uh, JFL thing. We were there just for laughs. We were there just for laughs, man. Yeah, right. I'm a little hungover today, fellas. <laughs> was it a good night last night? It, yeah, it was. <laughs> with the gang, <laughs> the boys. <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, we took this photo, and of course, we, we immediately thought we should post this on the podcast uh, Insta story. Or, of course, uh, because you weren't in it, and there's Mike and I and uh, our friend uh, Sean and uh, Al. And we thought that might get you mad. There was actually right, talk yeah, yeah. of right, saying, yeah. uh, everybody get ready for Sean's digital dessert. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But I thought it was too cruel, so I did not post. No, no. I, just posting it on yours made me mad enough. No, that was good. <laughs> that was good. For our listeners, uh, Shane confronted me uh, about in the last episode about uh, making plans without him, basically. Being left out. Being left out. kind of viral online. Yeah. Unless I'm using that term wrong. Yeah, no. <laughs> no people like that segment. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people actually were in agreement with you. Because when I posted the, the video clip of me saying, uh, you know, when Shane confronts someone about side text groups, people were like, I'm on Team Shane. They People, ev- everyone was. Ev- I didn't see, and unless you're getting DM'd that's on your side, <laughs> I, the whole public outcry was like Team Shane. Yeah, everyone yeah. was on Team Shane. I think it really resonated it because, really you know, I think that being left out is a universal feeling for a lot yeah. of people. Well, I was thinking about it, and I actually, there was a time when I was in a group chat uh-huh. And it was a basketball chat with Mike, Josh Lee, and John Popolis. And then I found out I was kicked out of the group chat <laughs> secretly. And they said, we can't have Shane. And they just started it up again without me. Who made that decision? I wasn't part of that decision. You were in the group. I don't know. I am in a group with Could, John and Josh. But Remember when I was in it for a bit and you and I got in a big uh, discussion about Kevin Durant? And before I knew it, I was out of the group. <laughs> huh? What did you comment on Mike's photo last night when you saw like your all of your friends hanging out in Toronto? It was just something like I'd I'd love to see this group chat or something like something that. Something like that. And then and then that came in and then we were ta- and we were kind of a little buzzed at that point. <laughs> and I was like, "Mike, what do I respond?" And you just said, "Just type don't worry about it, man. <laughs> Whatever, which is what I had. Did that piss you off even more? It worked, man. It totally relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good night. It was fun, yeah. And 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 in our defense, if you lived in the city, we all live in Toronto now. You're you're like the last of the Hamilton sort of uh, holdouts, and and for good reason. If I could do the commute like you did the commute, I would still live in Hamilton. It's just it's too hard, man. When everyone was in Hamilton, though, I didn't recall a lot of hang requests then, too. <laughs> that that would hold water typically. Okay, well but. here here's one of our friends who will remain nameless said, "Well, to be fair, I never get any texts from Shane going, hey, what's going on tonight? Is there any onus on you to be?'" Poking the bear because because every one of us pokes the bear. That was brought up that you that never up. You okay. never do that. I was under the assumption that all events and everything happened through the Champagne Boys group. Uh-huh. I didn't know there was sex. But why can't sep- you initiate things? Well, because I'm not the initiator. Like, yeah, I'm not the initiator. Yeah. Usually, it's Dan. Usually, there's four people in uh, in a group. When you have like thirty people, there's four who actually <laughs> take initiative, right? Yeah. And you kind of follow their lead. And uh, you feel like, okay. This yeah, happened. Fair enough. Like I and I have a fear of trying to organize anything. Does you this do. all go back to this birthday party? This thing? goes back to a birthday party. I, <laughs> we've, I, gone, we've gone deep on this psychology I had, before. My birthday falls very close to Mother's Day, and sometimes it's on Mother's okay. Day. And then one year, I invited twenty friends to my birthday party, and only one of them showed up. <laughs> and it was largely humiliating. And to uh. this day, I have a fear of organizing anything. And then once years ago, I was like twenty. Five or 26 and i tried to like 
tried again the party yeah. and then i invited a bunch of people and mike was the only person to show up <laughs> <laughs> and so we're being yeah. too hard on you we have to recognize this is a ptsd you suffer from this is a, be- a debilitating yeah and i have a fear of sickness yeah we did have a good time that birthday though yeah just the two of you guys yeah <laughs> yeah it's an interesting thing i have a fear of going out and i have a fear of being left out. okay fair enough okay that will be more sensitive to that yeah. now, now i didn't know that about you shane so mm-hmm. Okay, now I know. Well, today is the Just for Laughs episode. <laughs> I'm glad we went deep on Shane's psychosis. Today on the show, we are talking to, it's a bit of an SNL theme. Today we are talking to cast member, current cast member, Chris Red, and then also former writer and performer, Michael Bryan, for the show. So we got this SNL theme going on. Super excited to get to those interviews. But before we get to that, Maxie, before we started rolling, you said, before we get into Just for Laughs and your potentially amazing weekend that you guys had in Montreal... I want to tell a story. Yeah, no, just a quick thing. So uh, last week, uh, Lauren and I took a road trip to Cleveland for a Jay-Z and Beyonce concert. And, you know, as uh, we know, listeners of the pod would know, we get hooked up for concert tickets pretty regularly. That's one of the perks of being in this business and having friends in high places. The Nut just sent a a text group saying, does anyone want T-Swift tickets? See, like, we're very, very fortunate. We're super lucky. We're very, very, very lucky. So I got in contact with a guy who I thought might be able to help with tickets. He says, I got you, no problem. We go to the stadium, and it was it was a fun drive down from Hamilton. It's only four and a half hours. We got a hotel, Ubered down, and like I, I kind of like Cleveland because uh, I like being in America. I love LeBron James. As we, our Uber driver was this kind of middle aged lady, and I was just asking questions about being a Cavs fan, and she was telling us all about it. And she was like happy for LeBron, uh, even though he left. He just opened a school called yeah. the I Promise School yeah. in Akron, Ohio. Yeah, I don't want to get to that. So anyway, I was just like loving Cleveland. We get to the show, and it said like row seven or something. So we're like, oh, lower bowl, row seven. This is great. So Lauren gets to row seven in, in the section that we think we're in. We're like, no, I don't think, I think it might be actually on the floor. So we go into the floor, and we're like, oh, like we're, we keep on being directed closer and closer to the stage. So finally, we get basically as close as you can get to the stage. And we're like, these tickets are like insane. Like people must have paid. I think I looked it up, like upwards of a thousand bucks. And you didn't pay a dime. We didn't pay a dime. Who hooked you up, Virtual? Uh, no, one of someone who works with Virtual. American Nut. Wow, <laughs> bigger and better. So we and and then so we're in the we're like kind of blown away. And Lauren's already like, this is the craziest. This is gonna be like a night I will remember for the rest of my life because Beyonce is one of our bucket list performers. Like we've been talking about going to see Beyonce for years now. So we and then we realize like just at the very front of this section on the floor, we realize that there's like it's not that doesn't seem that busy and we realize there's like a fence sort of between or a gate between the section we're currently in and then the very front of this floor section right next to the stage. We realize that our wristband isn't the same wristband that everybody has around us. So we keep going forward and we get led, led into this other gated area and it's just like basically the size of like a living room with like Lauren and I and like 20 other of the most hardcore Beyonce fans. Michelle and Kelly were in there. <laughs> it's a Destiny's Child joke. Yeah. <laughs> Good work. Uh, do you remember the fourth one's name? Oh, it no. was more, uh, it was a different name. It wasn't easy. Yeah, there was actually two. Yeah, that's right. But anyway, so we get there like, holy shit, this is crazy. So the show starts. Oh, by the way, DJ Khaled opened the show. And DJ Khaled... I'm a fan of his music, and he seems to be a talented producer. You, he definitely did not rehearse at all for his show. It's like it was basically like we've seen the nut DJ, where he's just like, "Yo, are we ready to party? I'm sending you home in a body bag. Let's go." He's just basically he a used hype the man. body bag. No, line? he did, no. but he almost. And like Lauren was like, "This is basically Adam Birchall DJing." Yeah, and so he'd run around the stage 
just constantly demanding to turn his mic up. I'm like, did you not sound check? Like you're playing <laughs> in front of a stadium. And the song would go on. Like he'd play like um, the one, you know, the Justin Bieber chance rapper song that he uh, produced. Sure. He play, and people are like, yes, this is his song. I'm seeing him run around the stage and play it. He played it for eight seconds. And he's like, all right, get to the next one. He burns Wait. through his songs in about literally a minute and a half. And we're like, what is he going to play for the rest of like, the opening set? And then he just played other famous songs by other artists and just got the crowd kind of hyped. I don't think he realized it, but his, he's sort of a larger guy. And he, the buttons kept on coming undone <laughs> on the bottom of his shirt. We've all been there, bro. Uh-oh, I'm fat. <laughs> and, uh, and so that was kind of funny. And there's like these massive screens. I was like, DJ Khaled, what the hell is going on? Yeah, spend a little less time worrying about how loud your mic is, a little bit more about getting your buttons together. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, and then Beyonce and Jay-Z come out. And it's like, I cannot say enough good things about their show. I'm like, every part of it was amazing. And I highly recommend you go check it out. But DJ Khaled comes out into this one little VIP section that we're in and Lauren gets a photo with him and I don't know it was just it was an awesome night and then on the way back in the Uber and I was asking more questions about LeBron and it was basically another like middle-aged Cleveland lady who's like talking about how much they love LeBron <laughs> how many middle-aged Uber there, Cleveland that, ladies it seemed are... like the only ones right um so anyway, so we had a, an awesome time. It was like a wicked little trip. So anyway, uh, we played St. John's, Newfoundland on uh, the weekend or on Monday, flew back yesterday. And this news came out about LeBron opening a school because even though he's signed with the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, he's made this commitment to Akron, Ohio. And do you want to talk about this, the school? Like, it's, just, it's called I Promise, and it's basically for people that are like um, in poverty or underserved by the system. You can basically go to this school you get like a free tuition you get a free uniform you get a free bicycle to get around because he said that when he was younger his bicycle was like a means of escape and a way of getting away from his dangerous neighborhood and stuff like that and so he's literally dumped his money back into his community like where he grew up akron ohio for people that basically came from circumstances like him when he was a kid and now they can get an education and there's programs for their parents to try and get out of poverty and get you know education and a job yeah like every parent is eligible to get their ged like high school diploma and also there's like um, a work program like to help them set them up with jobs there's a food pantry i was reading this stuff and i don't know i, I was reading it on the plane but i was started crying uncontrollably like it was like one of the yeah. most like touching you know and most thoughtful moments of charity i can think of recently what about, about the intern contest <laughs> <laughs> uh, i shed a few tears for that too right. yeah anyway i was just like literally crying and then i saw lauren we met at the airport because she went to europe but I, sh- I was telling her about it and i was just like crying uncontrolled and i don't know if you guys have had that experience of just like i don't know it was so it was very cathartic when, when you when something strikes you in that kind of way that you're just like just like the goodness in humanity and just observing that and making you feel just like so warm and fuzzy and just grateful that there are people out there like that. Anyway, I just want to yeah. share that because I just shout out to LeBron because that like is really one of the most like, yeah, thoughtful things someone can do. I love LeBron James. Yeah. And, 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 and again, you know what? Because we're huge basketball fans. There's been times where I've hated LeBron. There's times I've really admired him. But I think moving forward, I can only just love the guy. Yeah. 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 He's much bigger than basketball. But anyway, let's get to Montreal. Okay. Yeah. Like we've said before, if you listened last year to our episode with Jeffrey Ross. Episode 70. Episode 70, which has one of Shane's best uh, desserts ever, which was the Eddie Della Sepe incident, <laughs> yeah, along with uh, the, the Bachelorette, or whatever her name is, Vanessa. I don't oh, watch yeah. the show. Go back and listen to it if you haven't. But like we've said, if you are a comedy fan, 
of any type, this is the weekend. I think Shane called it Comedy Coachella, and it's like the best weekend if you're into this sort of thing. And you've said you'd prefer this over any music festival. Any music festival, yeah. anytime. It's like so your people. Book your room at the Hyatt right now, a year in advance for next year's thing, and every big comedian you know is just hanging out in the lobby. Yeah. We're just walking by. Oh, there's Amy Schumer. Oh, there's Tiffany Haddish. There's just everybody's just there hanging out. So we get into town, and the first sort of order of business is I have to do like I'm moderating a panel for Bell Media. So that's kind of like you know the work. Yeah, it's great. Everybody on the panel is awesome. Actually, our uh, patron saint Justin Stockman. I found some video footage of that. Was on the panel, uh, and then after that, luckily Bell's so awesome that they hook us up with tickets. So they're like, "What shows do you guys want to see?" So Shane and I submit a list of what we'd like to see. In addition to obviously all the interviews that we're going to be doing at Just for Laughs. So Thursday night, right off the bat, I do the panel. That night we go see Colin. Quinn, who's oh, a formerly well. SNL yeah. guy, and we see him in like what the equivalent of like a basement. It's such mm-hmm. a small theater, and it's we're like f- this room we're in right now. Yeah. yeah, and it's first row. And so we walk in, and Shane was saying that he had to pee super bad, but he was terrified that if he got up and walked out, Colin Quinn would like roast him. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought Colin was really good, uh, and then at that point, literally an email goes out, and it says, "Oh, Amy Schumer just flew into town, and she's going to do two sets." Yeah. And Laura Nicolucci, who does the tickets for Bell, she's like, "Hey, do you guys want to go see Amy Schumer?" And we're like. Yeah, okay. So then we like ditch our plans for, I think, Neil Brennan. Sorry, Neil Brennan. And we decided to go check out Amy Schumer, who I will say, like of all the shows we saw, and we'll get into some of them, she was probably the best like in a theater sort of like her stuff was really good. Oh, wow. So I think her next special is going to be really good. Mm -hmm. So that was awesome. And then we get to the next night and we go see uh, Kevin Hart. Oh, wow. Yeah. Man, these are big dogs. Big dogs. Yeah. So this one was a fun one, but it was Kevin in a, a big, it was at the Bell Center. So it was in like an arena. Sure. It's a big arena show. People are getting kicked out if they use their cell phones. If you pull it out to just text, they're kicking people out. Wow. It's crazy. Uh-huh. So we watched that, but crazily, all like I would say like 40% of his shit was what me and Shane saw him do last year just for laughs when he was working it out in, the, in that little club. Oh, so, he, so that would have been getting prepared for the big arena shows. You got it. Yeah. So we see that and we have this thing called Midnight Surprise. So Midnight Surprise, for those of you that don't know, if you ever go to Just for Laughs, get these tickets. They're probably, I would say, the most valuable tickets you can get because they're venues that hold like 50 to 100 people, if that, and the shows start at midnight and they don't announce who's going to be on them. So last year when we saw Kevin Hart in that basement, mm-hmm. basically, that was a midnight surprise. You didn't know who it was going to be. We, you don't know who's going to be there. You just show up and you never know who you're going to get. So Shane and I have two tickets for Midnight Surprise and we were kind of like, oh man, it's been like, like we've said before, every night until three in the morning, they're serving like open bar at the Hyatt. So uh-huh. you work and then you play mm-hmm. and then you get up early and you work again. So it's hard then to like commit to a midnight show. So we're like, oh, we got these midnight show tickets on the Friday. And I was kind of like, oh, are we going to go? Are we not going to go? And we were talking to some of the Bell people and they were like, yo, we think it's going to be a big deal because... Just for Laughs basically took five tickets back from us. And then they said, don't ask for any more. This show is sold out. Oh, So we go, okay, let's go and check it out. So we get there at midnight. There's a lineup around the corner. We're like, oh, man. And it's like 12.10, 12.20. They come around with the pouches and they start putting our phones like on lock. Okay. So we're like, okay. And this is like, I think, a good example of how we are spoiled fucking rotten. Yeah. Because I'm going... When we just saw Kevin Hart and we saw Amy Schumer yesterday, like, what's this midnight surprise? Like, are, is it really worth You're waiting You're about it, yeah. I'm kind of like, <laughs> is it worth waiting sure. around? And we said the only thing that would make it worth it is if, like, for some reason, Dave Chappelle and John Mayer were going to run their bit or yeah, something. Yeah. So we're like, whatever. They start letting us in. We go in. It's this tiny fucking bar. Like, like maybe a third of the back room of the horseshoe. And I look on stage and I immediately, like, hit Shane. And I see a guitar sitting on stage. Uh, I go, oh my God, I think this. And then we start looking around and there's security everywhere. Like wow. big dudes. I'm like, holy shit. I think we're going to see Chappelle and Mayer who have the big arena show the next night run their stuff tonight. Wow. So like all of our cell phones are on lock. There's security everywhere. 
Neil Brennan comes out to do an opening set, wow. kills it. Like, I can't stress how small this room is. Yeah. Me and Shannon are standing at the bar, like, watching this. John Mayer comes walking you know, to watch Neil Brennan's set. So Whoa. now John Mayer's literally just like, you know, five feet away from Shane and I, and we're watching Neil Brennan. And then Neil Brennan does his set, and he's like, everybody, I'd like to introduce you to John Mayer. And then security walks John Mayer, like, through the crowd in this tiny bar, and he gets up, and he just starts jamming. He's got, yeah, he's got, like, beats and all this stuff on, like, a computer, and then he just fucking rocks on a guitar. And now we're like, again, we were tired when we started, but the minute you realize what's going on... You got juice. You get so much adrenaline. Yeah. We're like, vodka sodas all around. Yeah. So now we're just, like, we're drinking, we're so excited. John's just, like, jamming, and we were we were kind of analyzing, like, what are we doing right now? Like, What is this? Where like, am I? And other comedians were, like, there, like Jimmy Carr and Chris D'Elia, and all these guys just came to watch it. Like, they weren't what? performing. They just wanted to be in the, the fucking room. Yeah. So we're like, we're watching John, and I'm like, this is so weird. It's like John Mayer's up there doing John Mayer, like guitar karaoke. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he's got like his beats, and he's just jamming, and he plays. Uh, he finally gets to his big hit. What's the one that's out right now? One night or something. Oh he's yeah, yeah, one yeah. Night. yeah. So he does that, and then it cuts, and then his guitar starts doing Jimi Hendrix. He's like wow, He's like everybody. Dave Chappelle, Chappelle looking fucking cooler than ever in a tank top, jacked, comes walking out of the back, security like surrounding him, and he walks through the crowd. Everybody's like high fiving him. He's got a smoke dangling out of his mouth. Of You're course. not allowed to smoke in the bar, but he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Goes right on stage. And then they basically do like this sort of like rat pack back and forth thing. Dave just starts working his set, uh, and he is amazing. And we're like, I can't believe we're witnessing this right now. That is incredible. Then about like an hour in, he's like, everybody, welcome my friend T Tiffany Haddish to the stage. Oh, my God. Tiffany Haddish shows up. And then the three of them just start like riffing. But the whole time, Dave is drinking. He's like, Bobbitch, bring me another beer. And then he's like, bring me a thing. And then he goes, fuck it, bring me the bottle. So they just bring him a bottle of liquor. And he's just drinking throughout the whole like, it was like a two-hour show. John Mayer doesn't drink or he's not drinking that night. So he's kind of doing his thing. Tiffany Haddish wasn't drinking. So by the end of the set, they were taking cues from Dave Chappelle. But Dave Chappelle... Would you say that he was drunk, Shane? He was hammered. He was like <laughs> hammered out of his mind. Like it wasn't even making any sense. The The show started becoming cool because it was so strange to see him just hanging out laid out on stage for way too long. Because oh. there was like 45 minutes into the show. Do you remember he had like this great button? I was like, that's it. You think that's it? Yeah. And you're like, yeah. And then two hours later, he was still up there. <laughs> well, this happened to me when I saw Tiffany Haddish in L.A. She it was like uh, one of those nights at the comedy store, and usually each act does twenty minutes or whatever. Mm -hmm. She stayed up there for like an hour and fifteen minutes, and she yeah. kept drinking. And then she, she, you thought like, oh, that's the one that ends the set, <laughs> and you like you know thirty minutes in because that's how long you should be performing. And she was like, anybody got any questions? Let's do a Q and A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like she was like, did not want to get off the stage. It's like Bruce Springsteen <laughs> yeah. does that. Yeah, well, it's a little different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so you know, even Chappelle drunk. And like a super loose set was still funny and entertaining. Yeah. And then it turned into kind of like karaoke. He'd call out tunes and Marin knows every song. So he's like, he's like, if I, if I call a song out to John, he's like, he knows it. John says, if I know how a song goes, he's like, I can play it on guitar. Uh -huh. So they're doing, running this whole bit. And uh, they end with the song Creep by Radiohead. And everybody in the bar is like, I'm oh. a creep. And then uh, Chappelle is like, that's it. I'm fucking out. You guys have been great. Now it's like three in the morning. Wow. Chappelle comes walking off the stage, like high-fiving. Like the place is going nuts. Shane and I are standing at the bar. Chappelle literally just takes a hard turn right beside Shane and I. And he orders a whole fucking round of shots hands them over to fucking me and Shane. Oh, my God. We do a fucking shot with Dave Chappelle. <laughs> oh, my 
God! And then he goes off into the night. Well, it didn't quite go like that. <laughs> <laughs> In my fever dream, that's exactly we, what went down. We were standing there, and like you just want to watch Chappelle, so I'm just watching him. And then he like whips his head and looks at us. It's like, ah. And, and then he's like, shots. He says to the bar. And then I'm like, oh, my God, shots. But the bartender lines up enough and puts one, in, one near Mike, kind of. So the bartender pours all the shots. And there's an extra one for Mike. So Mike's like grabs it. And then I'm just like, they're shotless. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and I'm making eyes at like the bartender. It was a male bartender. <laughs> like it was, but I was buying a lot of drinks that night. So I was like, ah, I was tipping you pretty good. So he's like, like nods, gives me yeah, a shot. So you can participate. Fills it up. And then I feel like, fuck yeah. And then we all do the shot together with Dave Chappelle. Wow. Then do it. But I've had to pee this entire time during the show. Oh, this is hilarious. And Dave was up there for so long. That you don't want to miss a thing, right? So I'm like, P be damned. I'm just fucking going to stand here all night, just like uncomfortable. Yeah. And then I do the shot, fills me up with a little more P to do, right? <laughs> so, it's an expression. It's an expression. <laughs> and then, you know how he had so much security with yeah. him? It was like so much security. It was unnecessary. There's almost more security. Than, there were people in the room? There was. One-to-one security So ratio. they're trying to do job justification left, right, and center, like just acting like they're really taking care of Dave. <laughs> so you're, you're in a room with a bunch of like people that are into comedy. It's like there's not a lot of like, gangbangers in there. That you have to not at all. Yeah. So they're looking for something to do to be like, gotcha, Dave. <laughs> so I just like go to the washroom. They're like, no. I'm like, what? I'm like, I have to pee. Like Dave's over there. I'm just going to pee. Like, no. This is too late. You got to go home. And, and, <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So I, I take two steps and do like a spin and then make it for the washroom. Oh. And, and then three security chase me <laughs> into the fucking bathroom. Yeah. I'm standing there. I'm like, Shane's about to get his ass kicked. I'm fucking hammered too, by the way. Like we've been drinking. This show it went two hours longer than I thought. I did a shot with Dave Chappelle and I'm feeling like I'm a bit of a VIP. So I go, I go, no, I'm going. They go, what? I go, my civil liberties. I'm going. And I don't even know what it is, like what that means. I'm like, my civil liberties. He's like, what? He's like, okay, just go. Jesus goes, just don't lie to me. Don't say you're not going to go and then go to the washroom. And he was like, cool. Then I pissed and left. (laughs) That is fucking amazing. Yeah. So, and just, um, what was Mayor like on stage? Like, and who 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 was who were you focusing Mayor, on? Mayor was cool, and his songs were awesome. It was the perfect vibe to be like at a bar and have like this awesome guitarist. Yeah, and he's funny for a guitarist. Yeah, but and like a singer too. But when Dave Chappelle came up there, it was a little awkward. Anytime he spoke, you're just like Dave, save him, save him a little bit, oh, and you didn't feel comfortable with him as a comedic performer. Okay, but fascinating to watch, sure. and you're seeing them literally. Like, they haven't had a ton of practice. They're crafting a bit for the next night. Yeah, yeah. Which is the big arena show. Yeah. Wow. So, he, so yeah, to, to Shane's point, I totally agree. Like, I think I think Mayor is, like, I get why they did this. Like, it's like, oh, Mayor, you're a funny guy. Like, you're funny at parties. You're charismatic. You can tell a story. Yeah. But when you're up there with Chappelle, it's just hard to The rhythms to are hang. different. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And if you gave Chappelle the guitar, he'd probably be yeah. outclassed, too. So. And if it was just Mayor, and he worked out a bit just on his own, but it's like the, the back and forth thing, like you really need to have... Uh, yeah, and Mayor doesn't drink, and Chappelle's hammered, just like <laughs> winging it. Yeah. So it was a little weird. 
Yeah. Fascinating and, to see, though. That's cool. And then the next night, we went to the big arena show, which, again, all the phones and the pouch. So we got to see what made it from the night before. Oh, wow. What was sort of bits. Was it better? Like, not better, but was it more worked out in any way in the arena show, or was it just as awkward? It was good. I don't know if they're ever going to do that show again. Like, it was no. kind of a one-off. And, and it felt like, too, like, the first 30 minutes are strong. Then it tapers off a little bit. And I thought, maybe they're going to go really long, like, do the Bruce Springsteen thing again. But... John Mayer started a couple stories and Dave wouldn't let him finish. And then the vibe was a little weird. And then at one point, Dave just went. Yo, and like, For okay. those of you listening, Shane's off mic right now, which is yeah. what Dave did. He like he he called John over in the big arena show, said something. We didn't know what he said. And then he went into a closing bit. Uh, and then okay. Dave just it felt like he truncated it totally. And uh, then they just kind of awkwardly walked through this door. Oh, uh, weird. Huh. Yeah. There was also a very tense moment where uh, Dave's doing a bit on Louis C.K. Mm. and the Me Too movement. Sure. And then there's a real quiet pause. And this is in the arena. Uh-huh. And someone from the back of the arena goes, fuck you, asshole, too soon. Oh, wow. Oh, they said too soon. Something like that. But the asshole really came through. Yeah. You're an asshole or too soon asshole, something like that. Mm. And Dave hears it. So he goes, what, ma'am? He's like, I'm an asshole. And then like, then the crowd kind of starts booing her. And then okay. it's like, how's this going to go? And he's like, ma'am, I assume you know. <laughs> I'm not going to do the Dave Chappelle voice. <laughs> I got close. Was that it? <laughs> I don't know what that was. Ma'am, I assume you're aware. I'm from the South. Uh, he's like, ma'am, I assume you're aware of who I am and what I do. He's like, and also, I don't give a shit because I already have your money. And, then, <laughs> and that slays. And then everybody gives him a big round of applause. But then he weaved sort of this sort of one-sided dialogue into the whole set based on that woman. And then when John Mayer came back out to do more guitar things, like, John, get out. He's like, I know one woman who's real excited to see you right now. <laughs> That's funny. It was interesting. And people that were trying to dance to John when he came out in the arena, it was, it was, an, interesting, it was an interesting vibe. Usually, and, there's no band or anything? It was just him? Just him and like a, a beat thing and his guitar. Yeah. So it was just like him alone on stage in an arena doing like you know five hits guitar things crazy. yeah anyway it was really fascinating to see the difference between the two and we got the experience of a lifetime so much like your jay-z beyonce yeah. experience that was our dave Chappelle, john mayer tiffany haddish experience. that's amazing i know i i don't i never know when we talk like this if like listeners are like that's cool or if they're like fuck, fuck you, you guys yeah we'll just know that we are equally smitten sorry we're like kids on christmas when these things happen so grateful so yeah it never, yeah, like, yeah, uh, it's an embarrassment of experiences. So wait, are we spoiled brats, kids on Christmas, or smitten? <laughs> <laughs> What's the narrative we want people to go with here? A little bit of each. All right, yeah. nice. All right, guys, should we get to the interviews? Let's, Let's get to do it. it. So today on the show, we have Chris Red and Mike O'Brien. You, of course, know Chris Red as a current cast member on Saturday Night Live, and recently he was nominated for an Emmy for the song Comeback Barack with Chance the Rapper. We get into all of that during our conversation. And then immediately after that, I chat with Mike O'Brien, who, as we said off the top, is a former writer and cast member on Saturday Night Live. His most notable stuff on that show are like the short films he did, Grow a Guy, The Jay-Z Story. One of the best sketches I think he ever wrote was called Puppet Class with Bill Hader and Seth MacFarlane. I would suggest you maybe pause the podcast right now, go watch those, and then come back and listen to the interviews. Mike also has a show he created called AP Bio with Pat Oswald that's going into its second season. So, as you listen, you will hear my conversation with Chris Redd. And then immediately after that, you'll hear our conversation with Mike O'Brien. One thing to listen for, actually, is because I was speaking with SNL alumni, I wanted to end the interviews with the sort of same question, uh, which ended up being, describe Lauren Michaels in one sentence. And the reason I wanted to do that is because I wanted to hear how their answers differed, as you know, both being guys that had been on the show and dealt with Lauren Michaels. So, listen for that at the end of each conversation. Now, 
If you're just tuning in for Chris Red or Michael Bryan, and this is your first time here, we have over 100 episodes featuring conversations with directors, actors, musicians, comics, and an astronaut. They can be found everywhere you get your podcasts. Mike on Much, just search it. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and now Spotify. So again, I say to all of you comedy nerds out there, if you're into comedy and you can pull together a little bit of scratch, go to Montreal for Just for Laughs weekend because it really is the Comedy Coachella and the access is unreal if you ever just want to go to the Stay at the Hyatt too. Stay you at have Hyatt. to stay at that hotel. Yeah. Because that is the epicenter where everything's going down. You will see huge comics, everybody you can think of just waiting to get on the elevator. Marin was there. We, oh, wow. we went to the big awards show, which we didn't even get into. There's so much to talk about, but maybe we'll, we'll do another episode and, and talk a little bit more about our experiences. We did get into the awards show. We just didn't talk about it. That's right. Oh, we were there. That was where the tears were coming. Oh, sure. Because the speeches were really thoughtful and uh, heartfelt. Guys, do you want to get to these interviews? Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Just hang out. What are you drinking, yeah. man? Uh, I'm, I'm drinking a, a Patron and pineapple. Uh, Patron and pineapple. That's the way to do it. Yeah, man. I love I love um, beach sounding drinks. <laughs> and I and I, and I uh, for one of the interviews we had drinks. So I was like, I started light, so I got to keep it light. Yep. Can't mix, otherwise it'll be a bad night. That's and right. That's a bar. You got a show at nine o'clock. I do. I have, I have my hour. Uh, my second hour. And I'm going to do uh, at 9. I'm really excited at the Montreal Improv. That's great. Yeah, and then um, then I do a, I host a midnight snack. There's a bunch of other yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's the way these weekends work. Man. Yeah, I love it, man. It's like I'm always, I guess that's kind of like how I naturally work. I always just try to get as many sets as possible. Yeah. And in this place, people just like, there's just sets everywhere to get. So I'm like, shit, if there's something to do, I'm doing it. You're down. Yeah, man. I want to say congrats on the Emmy nom. Thank you so much, that's man. It's pretty fucking huge. It's, it's so crazy exciting. Uh, didn't see it coming. Yeah. Uh, but glad it came. You know what I mean? Uh, it's kind of like a surprise nut. Wait, is this on TV? We're, we're shooting the, the middle one, yeah. Oh, okay. You can say what you want. I, can I say nut? You can say whatever you want. Uh, I was like, oh, wait, what, what, what is this for? <laughs> Who's going to see it? Mom? Well, we, uh, like, it, on the, on this show, we like to get into the minutiae of how people do their work. Yeah. And so I'm interested with something like that, which you, you co-wrote on. Yeah. How do you pitch that to Chance? Well, so how the process? So of- I wrote that with uh, me. Me and Will uh, kicked it off. It was like Will had the idea to write a another Obama piece, and we were just like, "All right, so how should we do it?" So we basically what we did is we kind of figured out the skeleton first. Okay. And we and we write for a while. So like on like the writers' nights, you'll 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 get down and you'll you'll basically like flesh out like maybe a chorus or a verse. It's like kind of how I like to start. Yep. And Will's like kind of the same way, but then we'll bounce around. We're not really like uh, beholden to try to like do any style of like not force ourselves to finish something that we're not feeling yet so you kind of just like go off a feeling but you try to get about at least a chorus and a verse done so then by the time chance is ready or the host but did you know chance was coming and you were setting Uh, up for that or or regardless we we knew he was coming and and uh that's why because he he had wrote with him last year or that that year before yeah and uh and so he was like yo we should do another we should we should do another song with chance and i wouldn't always do a song with chance because like you know i come my background was music so i like i've always wanted to work with these artists and so i was like hell yeah let's write something so we wrote a, like a rough draft of what it would be we uh then when chance came to sit down to talk to us we just basically played him what we had ri- written and i sang it and um and he was like oh that's hard yeah that's dope but are you intimidated doing that you're like let's present this I to mean, chance it the whole job is that and at first it's like i kind of was but at the same time it's like if you don't just go for it, it you're not gonna get he's not gonna see 
whatever, whoever the host is, is not going to see the best version of what your the idea confidence could be. confidence in the idea. Yeah, so it's like you got to sell the hell out of that. Yeah. And, and plus, you lose so much. You're taking so many L's as far as, like, jokes not working. You can't, you can't really be affected by that shit at all. Like, you got to be like, yo, all right, boom. That joke can work? Cool. Cool. I become like steel when it comes to like that type of shit. Like, Keep it moving, man. It, yeah, it's, it made my stand up even better too. Cause like I was always, I was always able to like breeze past a joke. But now I'm like, I feel impenetrable a little bit. Like <laughs> if a joke don't work, I'm like, all right, cool. What what, what else you talking about, motherfucker? I got so many other thoughts, you know. <laughs> and so he liked it. So we just kept on working at it. And we got Keenan in there to like kind of help us. I I I, fi- I figured things out. He added some I had some some dope jokes to it. So uh, in the end. You know, we, we uh, Chance was one of those hard, hard-working hosts that he, he he wanted to hang out all night and write with everybody and stuff like he that. He was down to do the work. Yeah. So uh, so so in that morning, we 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 saw him and, and we had already finished all this, the whole song and we basically showed him the whole thing and he was like, "Yo, this is crazy. Let's just record what we need to record and make the tape read dope." And you know, you're still nervous because like the host loves it doesn't mean you're gonna get it on the show. Doesn't mean it's gonna do well the table read, but it it, it did well. So I was nervous the whole time. It was my first year, so I was nervous in every turn yeah. about everything, you know. But I was still like, "Fuck it, regardless, I'm gonna work the hardest I can." So, and it ended up working out, man. This is the thing. It feels like this last year has been amazing for you. You've been on this kind of rocket it's, ship. It has not been bad. Yeah, I've had worse years. Well, this is, I want to go back a bit. I keep looking at them like I don't even know if that you know that these people are here, but they are important and here. There are people filming things <laughs> and they, they're hovering around. Uh, but I want to go. This is kind of random, but on the car over here when we got into Montreal, mm-hmm. we were in the ride with a guy named Mark Little. Yeah, I love Mark Little. So I said, yeah, we're going to be interviewing him. And he said, I know Chris Red. I did a pilot with him. Yeah. So then I got here to the hotel and I, I looked on IMDb. And this, pi- like, literally, it is called... The Untitled Sketch Project? NBC Untitled Sketch Comedy Pilot yep. 2014. It doesn't even have a title. No, because that's what happens to shows that are bad. <laughs> uh, they don't make it, they die. And some don't get names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what I'm, so this is what I'm getting at the, the sort of ebbs and flows of a comedy career. Yeah. So like you get a, a, a pilot in 2014, you go shit, this is big. Like right. you must be happy. Tell your I family, left. A, your I left the job that I was working in, in Chicago because I was on the ETC stage at Chicago in Chicago at the time, and uh, and I couldn't do both. Um, I was in mid process, so that's how much faith I had in the project <laughs> and how excited I was to get a pilot that I just I just left to do the pilot. And uh, that, that was about a year process uh, of, of all, all together. And before that, I was doing like I was just like studying and and, and, and like doing stand up and all that shit for about like six yeah. years. And yeah, the thing didn't go, but it like kind of sparked um, some like notice in the industry a little bit uh, from other other. You're people. being seen. You're making connections. Yeah. of course. And so and so you're, you're kind of just like grind. It's the grind. Yep. But it took. It wasn't. It wasn't for a few, uh, another few years before I got something else that was like uh, like pop star. Uh, I did like the the movie, and but even in that, that didn't do great. Uh, it's a great movie. How do you Fantastic. get into that though? Uh, I I auditioned like everybody else, man. Just I, off the street, you auditioned. Not off the street. I I I jumped out of an Uber, but um, <laughs> it, yeah, I just kind of like yeah. This this lady, Allison Jones, super dope casting director. I love her so much. Uh, she came to Chicago and she and she was like, was rarely people did, then and and she was like, oh, I like you. Let's sit down. I'm gonna try to get you in something. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody says that Hollywood stuff. And then she really hit me for this for this job. And I was on my way uh, to my 30th birthday uh, in Vegas. And she was like, could you come back a day early and, and do this audition? And I was like, <laughs> for what? She's like, Lonely Island. I'm like, hell yeah. And so I came back. I, I was like practicing. The audition was like to freestyle. Freestyle as long as you wanted. And, uh, and I was like, all right, cool. 
Little do they know, I'm a real rapper. I'm a freestyle forever. And that was my plan. I did my lines and I nailed the lines and then I just freestyled for like 15 minutes. You just kept going. Straight. Yeah, I just kept going. I was like, this is what I was built for type of shit. And then like they called me for the callback and I got on the phone with the guys and they tried to give me notes to kind of like see if I could nail the notes and just like put a good tape together. Like so directions sort of yeah, yeah. So, so I'm talking to them. I'm like, I can't believe I'm talking to these guys. And like, yo, you're, you're like a real rapper. And that's super dope, man. Uh, for this next one. We, we would like it if you could rap just like way less. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not not like twenty minutes long. Cool, 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 cool. But it was good, man. I was I had a great experience, man. I, it was like almost unfair how amazing that that experience was. And um, I mean, I, I mean, I got to see celebrities that were cool. I got to like you know be one of the leads, which was fun. It's like a legitimate break. Yeah. So, but this and, and I'm, we're kind of doing a condensed conversation to what we normally do. But, like, with those ebbs and flows, and I'm sure you've had disappointment. Oh, 100%. Pilot, all that stuff. Yeah. When something like Saturday Night Live happens and you get a call, because obviously yeah. you audition and it seems like you killed the pop star audition. You audition for SNL and you get the call where it's, like, a legitimate reality, which is kind of, like, in some Crazy. ways legitimizing to your family, your friends, you. It's everything. So yeah. walk me through the call and your feeling. Uh, so SNL is very funny because I, I never really wanted to do it. I, I convinced myself I didn't want to do it because in Chicago – Everybody's like, SNL is the, is the last step. You're not good at sketch unless... And I'm a, I'm a rebel by heart and nature. So I was like, fuck that. I don't need that. And then and then they uh, uh, asked me to showcase. And I was like, hell yeah. And uh, and then that first year, not the year I got hired, but the year before, yeah. uh, there was like a fluke. And everybody thought I was hired when I wasn't. Because someone <laughs> oh, put some wrong information out there. And, uh, and, and so... Everybody thought I got it. And so for like a week or two weeks, everybody was like, yo, congratulations. And I was still, I had just left Lauren's office, just got on a plane. And so then they, they didn't hire me that year. They just kind of uh. like put me on hold. And that was crazy. And, I, and it took about a year for people to stop asking me, when are you going to be on SNL? Did you hate hearing that at, at that uh, point? I had gotten over it. And it was just like, it was just like a, a redundant thing. That, sure, like, sure. It's just annoying more, more, more than anything. And then that the year I actually, this year that I got hired was like, oh, finally. Yeah, I can tell somebody when I got hired. <laughs> but I, my joke to myself and my friends and family who who like knew the ordeals, it was like nothing nothing will feel good as the year I almost got SNL because that that because that was the year where like people were doing write ups and everything. Everybody, it was like positive. I was getting positive feedback on Twitter, which never happens. It was you know all good. It was all good shit. I'm like, <laughs> damn, people like me. That's cool as fuck. You know what I mean? But I I couldn't re- respond to anything else. So it's like I feel like that love's kind of just went, but it, it returned. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was great. When I got the call, uh Lauren had his assistant call me. It, it was like uh she was like, Hey, uh this is Chris. I'm like, Yeah. She's like, I I'm uh whoever with with Lauren's office. I have Lauren Michaels on the phone. And I was like, uh who? And before I could even say anything, he was like, Hi, oh, Chris. And <laughs> I immediately like put my pants on for some reason. Like I, w- I had no pants on. I was in bed hungover. You got to be a professional. And I at this put point. pants on. Yeah. Like he could hear me, <laughs> not have pants on. And he just wouldn't respect it. You know, it was it was the funniest moment in my life. I've never like oh sh- hey hey long hey long hey hey. He loves those calls too, man. And he's so cryptic about it. Like, like he knows the power. He knows exactly yeah. what it means. He knows exactly how excited you are. And he's just like. You ever thought about living in New York? You should. And I'm like, oh, this guy's amazing. I love this dude. Uh, yeah, it was like a Friday when I got the call, and I was in New York by that Sunday. Fuck. It, yeah, and I, and I was living at a hotel for the first two months, and um, I was lucky to be off a, a TV show at the time, uh, so I was no longer broke, so I could fly my parents out to help me find a place. <laughs> uh, otherwise, that would have been a real hard thing to do. Sure. Uh, I'd have done it, but, you know, it, everything worked out in a great way. 
and uh, it was the timing was a little late, but perfect. It's awesome, man. You know and, what I mean? and so lastly, because we're gonna have a couple other people from SNL, Michael Bryan and Melissa on the pod. Oh, I love Mike. So, so and, and wait, and, and Melissa. Yes, that's my bull right there. So. Here's my question that I'm going to ask all of you. Describe, because yeah. we are in Canada and it's a comedy festival and Lauren is a Canadian legend. Yeah. Describe Lauren Michaels in one sentence. Gangster. That's one word. Yeah, you did say sentence, huh? I sure did. Gangster, comma. That's Lauren Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Yo. <laughs> Thank you for your time, man. We're going to swap out guys now. But okay, really sure. much appreciate it. Swap man. out guys now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Things they say a lot of orgies. <laughs> it's Montreal. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm well, man. Sorry I'm running late. I had trouble finding you guys. Oh, no problem. We actually were over on that side, and then they booted us over here because there was a big TV network show that uh, wanted the spot. You know the man. It, you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, how you been? I'm good. Yeah? Were yeah. you in town last night? Yes. I had a show last night at Montreal Improv and uh, another one at Newspeak. Okay, cool. Yeah. And you're, you're playing tonight, too? Yeah. Tonight's my taping, and then tomorrow is my final uh, hour show. You're doing the whole damn weekend? Yeah. 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 How long have you been up here? Uh, we got here Thursday night. Nice. Or Thursday morning, sorry, yesterday morning. I'm okay. losing track of the time, actually, I know. the days. I know. <laughs> it's kind of kind of how it goes this weekend. Have you been here a lot as far as the festival goes this over the my, years? my third one, yeah. Yeah. Um, when you do, like, a, a show like that, say, last night, are you someone that comes back and needs to unwind by, you know, going to the Hyatt bar and hanging out? Or do you are you sort of, like, room, show, room? I'm uh, something in the middle. Last night was a late one. It was a 10.30 show, so and I had friends come to it, so we grabbed a bite afterwards, and then other people were like, now you should come to the Hyatt Bar, and I was like, I don't think I'm going to begin that at 1 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays. Formerly, I might have shut down the Hyatt Bar in previous trips, but, you know, uh, I don't need to dance with agents anymore, <laughs> literally. <laughs> Going back a bit, you're from Michigan? Yes. Which is pretty damn close to Canada in, in general. When did you realize you sort of wanted to get into comedy? Is it like, oh, I'm kind of funnier on my friends? Or is it like watching, you know, movies and being like, how can that be a viable career? Um, yeah, it was uh, probably both of those things. And then I would add um, older siblings. I had three older oh. siblings, and they're they all real funny. And so... It was a lot of just trying to see if I could make them laugh, keep up with their jokes at the dinner table. And um, when my older, I have uh, an older sister who also does comedy. So um, it was a, a lot of that going around in the family. But yeah, we watched a lot of the movies. We would watch SNL every Sunday um, on VHS tape yeah. and all that. So uh, um, I don't think I was thinking about it as a job until like a year ago, but uh, <laughs> I thought it was something that would be fun to take some classes in and stuff, um, probably from college on. So you said your older sister does comedy. Yeah. Did she start it as a sort of career, and then you go, oh, that's a viable path? Or did you both sort of get into it together? Because Literally together, yeah. Same uh, level one Second City class uh, signed on, and then we're on some of the same improv groups in Chicago for a couple of years and everything. When you go into something like that, did you find it intimidating, invigorating? Did you take to it easily? Because I've done an improv class, and uh -huh. it's fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'd say I struggled a little bit with it. I, I wanted to just stand there and try to be funny. 
Yeah, because you're thinking, of, like, you're trying to plan your jokes before yeah. you jump in, and that's the antithesis of it. Exactly. Yeah, I ended up um, teaching improv for like five and a half years as a wow. uh, way to make money in Chicago, and um, so I, I was fully reformed by then, and and believed in trying to build a scene together with another person as opposed to just fully write it on your own and steer them to do the correct straight man lines. <laughs> Uh, but that's what I was definitely trying to do for the first couple of years. And I, I don't know that I ever got good at a, a lot of the like physical and singing and all that aspect of it is luckily now not required in my comedy. Right. SNL would make me try to do that again. A lot of <laughs> failed singing things and dancing. So are you someone who naturally doesn't mind going out of your comfort zone to try that? Or are you like, like, I guess the question would be like, some people would just be like, no, no I'm not good at that. I'm, I'm going to stay away. And then they'd be like, I'll, I'll try it. I'm more of the former. I try. And it's only if they're like, we're paying you, you have to go put this <laughs> outfit on and dance on TV. <laughs> but I hate it. And, um, I've luckily I'm 42 now and I, I can just tell people usually I'm like, that's if you're hiring me, that's probably not what you're looking for. Um, so I, yeah, I find it humiliating. I'm like tone deaf. It's really, really hard. I don't even like when, uh, my group of friends are all like, let's karaoke. It's, that's like a <laughs> triggering <laughs> thing for me. So I think like anything, like whether it's comedy or if you're a musician, it's, it's such a unconventional career. And like, I guess whatever success is, is hard to define in some ways. I don't know if it's getting paid. I don't know if it's fame or whatever it is along sort of your path. Did you feel a lot of setback or was it sort of a a slow climb? I felt a lot of setback. I, um, like I say, I was in Chicago doing improv and I, I initially, you know, out of classes, I, I was chosen to be on a team and everything, which is unpaid and is puts you among several hundred. I mean, it is out of thousands. So that felt like enough justification to keep going. Um, but I wasn't getting the real things. Um, I shouldn't say real. Cause like you say, how do you define it? But nothing paid and everything for years and years. And, um, a second city didn't really, uh, uh, hire me as a performer until like year nine of Chicago, which is a long time. So my, all my twenties were spent trying for that. And then all of a sudden I got that and writing for SNL all within like 14 months. So it was very, very slow and then fast and then slow again, and then fat. It's, it's got that, it's got a marathon quality to it. Like when it happens, it's sort of all happening quickly and then slows down. Yeah. Again. Yep, exactly. And, and yeah, so I get a lot of dms for the last 10 years that are people like how do you how do you get on snl how do you write for snl how do i get my own tv show and um whenever i give that type of answer it's very annoying to them i'm like for me it was nine years of working at it every day and they're like no 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 you don't know what i'm asking i'm asking how do i do it without that and i'm like i don't know i didn't because if you could you probably would have yeah everyone would really so okay so then you know like anybody like you said that nine years when you get that gig writing for snl did you go out to perform at first on the show like did you try to be a player and then they were like i we like your ideas more how does that process work yeah um for chicago people they often will do they'll fly you out and have you audition and they don't really look at a writing packet um which i you know literally brought in my backpack but no one asked for it they're they kind of judge your writing from what you do in your performing audition that you do in studio. Interesting, like what you wrote for yourself to perform for Exactly. Yeah. So, and they're looking at you for both usually, especially with Chicago people, but kind of everyone. Um, 
but yeah, they bring you out and they are judging for both. And they um, were like, I, I think this guy's writing is good and, you know, his face is not quite right or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you go into this audition and Lauren Michaels is there? Yeah. Canadian icon. Mm-hmm. Um, are Toronto, you, right? That's right. Do you have an anxiety like that? Are you like, this is my fucking shot are you like how do you sort of process that in your brain before you go into a situation like that or are you cool as a cucumber no uh not cool (laughs) it's it's a horrible audition it's really hard they're not really laughing they don't mean to be mean or anything but they're watching a lot of auditions and there's only like seven of them in the you're on the stage that like you've watched people do that monologue on for all those years and the, the whole studio is empty it's tough. There's a couple of really nice people. There's a stage manager named Chris Kelly who, like, does help. He's just got this, like, fathery vibe to him. Like this he's, encouraging he's energy. Still there. Yeah, he's like, you're going to be great, Mike. You're going to stand here. I'm going to give you a big pat on the back. Then you'll walk up there, and everything's going to be great. I'll be here when you're done. And uh, a little bit of stuff like that helps, but um, it's a little nerve-wracking. Um, can I interject a question here? Certainly. You, you made me think of it with the Lorne uh, thing. What is your theory, if you have one, on why for having such a smaller population than the U.S., Canada has such a higher percentage of hilarious people? Like maybe five of my favorite ten comics are Canadian. Norm MacDonald, Martin Short are all uh, Gilda. Um, there's, uh, it's such a high percentage for being uh, less people. It's a good question. You mean like the ratio? Uh, yeah. So like, are comedians to sort of population ratio, whether right. it's like kids in the hall or all yes. the SCTV people or yeah. Mike Myers. Um, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I've heard people speculate on sort of like um, there's like a British humor uh-huh. and obviously we're, we're colonized by the British. Yeah. And then there's sort of like an American brashness and we fall somewhere in the middle that's oh, like self-deprecating, but also still a little bit of like we want to go for the brass ring. Whereas like I feel like the Brits... I mean, I've heard this speculated on. I don't know if that's the answer yeah. or not, but I don't know why there's so many. Um, because, sorry, no, no, yeah. but I was wondering if it's because we have like an inferiority complex, uh-huh. maybe because we are always the like little brother to yeah. America, and they always say that the little brother is usually the funniest because they have to like prove themselves or picked on more, etc. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's definitely true. yeah, comedy is definitely an underdog game, and if Canadians are putting themselves mentally as the underdog it it's it is harder to do comedy from a place of like yeah if you're if you're on the top of the if you're uh, winning all the time winning or yeah and even if you just think you are um so maybe yeah that's where we should take the study next is our most american and british comedians that make it mentally coming up not thinking they're winning all the time you know <laughs> they find a way to get an inferiority complex of their own which we inha- inha- inhabit naturally you inhabit, you're told by your parents <laughs> the, the, my uh favorite thing was talking to jay baruchel i worked on a show called man seeking woman and lived in toronto for which a long a time fantastic show i loved it and um did simon rich create that show yep. yeah man he is fucking funny as well he's so funny he's so talented and Jay was so great to work with. And um, Jay c- c- kept telling stories about uh, how much Canadians love to queue up. He'd always talk about queuing up and being content to be in line. <laughs> and who his most absurd ones, you know, he's like, Martin Short was, you know, 32nd in the line to the bank tellers. And people are telling him, please cut, please. 
And he's like, I would never. And they all <laughs> waited for an hour. And there's all these stories of these victorious line waiting. But I was like crying, laughing. I loved it. That's really funny. But it makes sense. It's a point of pride compared to the American stereotype of pushing your try to get there first and that kind of rude vibe and that's a win right it's like well if i get to the front of the line first but then there's this sort of noble uh martyrism in yeah. like i am going to wait in line because yeah. i'm going to wait my turn and yeah. we should all wait our bar. there is something funny about that our natural preset um going back to snl a bit so you don't um you don't get on as a performer but you they call back and say hey like how does the conversation go we want you to come in and write or do they ask for a package? Uh, no, they, they never did. Um, Seth Meyers just made a direct call to my phone. Uh, I, was, uh, I was actually taking an elevator up to meet my nephew that had been born the day before. And then uh, I got to uh, trump my sister's big news <laughs> with my <laughs> My news is bigger. <laughs> like, this baby's cool, but I'm about to uh, move to New York for SNL. Um, is the sister that's in comedy? No, it was another one. Right. Um, also funny. But uh, anyway... Uh, yeah, Seth is like, do you want to uh, come right for the show? And I was like, uh, yeah. And it was like a short conversation. And I think in that conversation, he included, hey, I know you're a performer, but just so you know, don't try to see this as a route to the cast. And Don't um, frame it that way. Yeah, and because uh, I think they've had trouble with uh, writers who are never really committing to uh, that job. And um, that was funny because then he called me when I got, did get in the cast and he's like all right i was wrong it was a path to it but <laughs> it normally isn't um but yeah and then i forget but you hang up and get some sort of logistical stuff going you know i didn't have agents or anything so there's just a lot of direct calls with people in the nbc offices saying like um you know here's a plane ticket and get out here and find an apartment wow okay so <laughs> even though you're just not supposed to frame it as a path to the the cast are you thinking about that? Or are you honestly like, no, I'm going to fucking commit to writing. And then if it happens, it happens. Or are you sort of being like, I could be in this. I could be in that. I think I, I tried to really commit to writing. And then I would have a 10-minute meeting check-in with Lauren at the end of each of my first couple of writing years. And, and I would say, you know, I still want to perform. And he's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And, um, and so I would try to just keep that planted in the back of his mind. But... Um, and I'd say the other little thing I did, I took someone's advice and didn't give up my favorite three or four characters. Like, even when you haven't gotten anything on the show in a while as a writer and you're like, oh, God, I'm going to be fired at the end of the year, which is very common, um, to not give up your favorite main characters I was doing at Second City or whatever and have Bill Hader do them, which he would kill and everything. But it's like that you keep that little part for yourself. Yeah. And I was able to skate by without giving up those. So you do the year on the show, and you actually end up kind of carving out a niche for yourself with the uh, Michael Bryan films. Like, that it stands on its own, and it, it ends up being its own thing. Did you feel like that year was like, this is everything I wanted out of performing? Or did you was there frustrations, or did it feel like a win? It, that felt like a huge win and really special, and I'll, I'll be thankful to, like, Lauren forever for that. That was, like... Um, a really direct way to get mine and, and the main people I worked with a lot, like Tim Robinson's voices on the show through those videos and stuff. And then I had frustration in the live sketches. I just, those were frustrating. So those pre-taped videos I was, were my comfort zone. But then the live sketches where I'm playing straight man and I only have one joke maybe 
And again, maybe having to sing and dance at some point and or try to do a little bit of an impression, all things I'm not that comfortable with. But I never really got comfortable in the live show. I think it takes more than one season to get to where I'm talking to you, but I'm looking past you at a cue card and yeah. a couple of the sentences on the, them have changed since the eight o'clock show. And those little things that the, the pros uh, like Keenan Thompson people have a second nature, I, I was still very much in my head about. Right. Um is there anybody, I mean, over your experience that was a, just an absolute nightmare? Yes. Um, who, but who can I say? <laughs> um, well, one I've already said publicly a lot, and it's more because it wasn't a nightmare to everyone, but just to me was I clashed with Betty White about a sketch. Betty White? Yeah. I wrote a sketch where she's euthanizing unicorns at a 12-year-old girl's birthday party. <laughs> And uh, they, they got these unicorns as a gift, but then she's the, the vet and, and is realizes they have, like, eye infections. And she has to start explaining how she has to put them down, and the girls are all upset. And she just hated it. She was like, this is cruelty to animals. And I was like, well, here's the good news. <laughs> We're not actually going to hurt any unicorns. And the reason is because unicorns do not exist. And did that sketch go there? No. That went, never made it. Went it went to dress twice. Once with her, and then it went with Will Ferrell, which confirmed that audiences just weren't into it because it, it couldn't <laughs> he go can't make him. it work. Yeah. <laughs> um, as we wrap up, I've been asking. We had Chris Red on yesterday, who said you're his man. Uh, he loves you, uh, and nice. then we're gonna have Melissa. Chris is doing great on the show. He is doing really well. Yeah. And Melissa's gonna come on. And- uh, yeah, it, on our show in a bit, and and so one of the things I'm asking, sort of thematically, uh, of everyone is if you could uh, describe Lauren Michaels again, Canadian uh, icon. Mm-hmm. Uh, in one sentence, what would it be? Um, a, a warm uncle that uh, uh, keeps you at arm's length. Because <laughs> there's like a, I, I feel a genuine closeness to him, but he is also, you know, running a million things and, and everything. So you're never really like, hey, Lauren, will you help me move? Uh, it's never a close friend, but I've been around him eight or nine years now. And there, there, it is like my uncle, he's helped me out in a lot of, a lot of ways. And, um, so I would try with that sentence. That's pretty good. Isn't he producing your new show? He is. Yeah. So what's the plan for that? Uh, we just got a season two. It's going to air in, uh, January season two will, um, AP bio and, um, we're writing starting Monday. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, all the best, man. Thanks, Thanks for your time. Thanks. Great talking with Much you. Much appreciated. Welcome to the dessert on what we are calling the JFL episode. We are here with our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Shane, what do you got for us? Okay. I wanted to talk about my JFL experience. Mm-hmm. And I did something kind of unprecedented in the digital dessert world, which is five digital desserts in five days. And just to give context, normally I do one a month. Mm-hmm. And normally I have three days notice. So I did a lot of these with little to no prep, sometimes uh, an hour notice with like an hour planning. Sure. And I just want to explain the highs and lows of my trip th- in doing that. I also had a run-in with uh, Vanessa Grimaldi. From the did? I did, yeah. <laughs> he posted it on our Mike How Much account. I didn't see you that. You didn't see that? Yeah, yeah. So I did. And uh, I know a lot of fans are looking 
forward to hearing about what it was sure. like because okay. last year, if people hadn't heard that episode, episode seventy with um, what's the ball, Jeff dude? Ross. Jeff Ross. I had this kind of strange night where I had an encounter with Vanessa and kind of made a fool of myself, how yeah. I do often. So I was really looking forward to. And she was kind of crushing on you on a certain level. At she was. Yeah, and it was kind of. I'll get into okay. it. But yeah, I was looking to get not revenge, but like be the cool guy. <laughs> but I'll start with my digital sure, sure. desserts. For people listening who are interested in my process with the digital desserts, what rules I have, I just wanted to like explain sure. those to people who care. If you don't care, skip through this and get right to the Vanessa part, I suppose. But <laughs> so rules on this digital dessert that I have are no roasting. Okay. I, I don't want to roast any of these celebs. Uh, I tried doing that with the TJ Miller one. And when I put it in a Reddit group, a lot of people compared me too much to two between ferns. two yeah. ferns. Zach Galifianakis. And that is his whole conceit where it's kind of like a roast and the other person's in on it so much. And I really wanted to stay away. Not that I'm worried about roasting people. I just wanted to be my own thing. Yeah. So no roasting. And two, I'm, I'm with someone and largely they don't really know what's going on. So I, I don't want any walkouts, which is an, my second rule. I never want the person to walk out of the interview. <laughs> Good rule. I, <laughs> that, well, my, that should be number one, maybe. Well, with, <laughs> with Sasha Baron Cohen, right? I think that rule, he doesn't give a shit. Sometimes it's better if they walk out. Yeah. But we, us being with Bell, and as funny as it can be to turn someone off so much that they actually leave and you still get to keep the footage, we wouldn't be able to do that. The whole bit would be ruined as the footage wouldn't be able to be used. So I try to be as normal as possible before the interview and after the interview so they can seem like I'm a genuine, nice guy. And they're like, oh, that was just a bit. I also have a rule that any props I have for the bit, I keep in my pockets if I can fit them. And the reason I do this is because when you're going for stuff in your pockets, it always creates a good amount of tension. Yeah. And it can be like really awkward, especially I wear skinny jeans. Yeah. And tension is what makes comedy work. Yeah. So if someone's really in on the bit and it, there's no tension, mm-hmm. so it, you can create tension by pulling things out of your pocket. So it's a, it's a good <laughs> tip because people are like, always like, what is this? Anyway, now I'm going to go through each digital dessert that I did at JFL. Originally, I was planning all week to do Tom Green, and I had a really good thing planned. I won't say what it is because I'm actually going to do it with someone else if I, if I ever get the I think we can still get Tom Green. Okay, good. Then I'll, I'll use this bit with, with Tom. But all my plans went to the wayside because I found out that Tom Green had actually left before we got there. Uh, okay. So I learned uh, about 24 hours before I was going to do it, we were going to get Chris Red from SNL. So I looked up all this stuff. He's a really nice guy. He seemed like he'd be absolutely game for this. So those ones are really good. When, when they're absolutely game, it plays really well on camera. But when you get to the editing room, the guy's almost playing along too much. Yeah. So I'm like, how could I create tension if this happens to go really well in the room? I'm like, I'm going to bring a gun <laughs> with me. <laughs> and I'm going to have a bit where we do improv and I play a racist person from the South with a heart of gold. So I'll show you the gun that I brought. Did you, and you have to fly with this gun, right? I have to fly with this gun. Yeah, it looks pretty it's real. It's pretty legit. And they don't make these anymore because of it things. It looks too real. You know, and the Danforth shooting just happened at mm-hmm. this time. So it was kind of risky for me to bring the gun. So I called Air Canada and I said, listen, I have a gun. I know it's not the best time to be bringing a gun on a plane. It's a toy. It looks like a replica, but it has the little orange thing. And the woman at Air Canada is like, geez, uh, you're going to have to call TSA. 
And then I call TSA, tell them the same thing. They're like, ah, you're going to have to call Air Canada. I'm like, I did. Like, who gives you the answers on this? I just need it. Guy goes, you know what? Risk it. He goes, TSA is telling me this. And I go, but if I risk it and I get caught with the gun, do I get arrested? He goes, no, they're just going to throw away the gun. So I write a note on the gun. Listen, I'm doing a bit in JFL with an SNL cast member. By the time I land, I will not have time to purchase a toy gun, nor do they sell guns as real as this. And it's really dependent that, that I have this gun. Do you care about comedy, man? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've only I had like maybe an hour to try to write my bit. Practice with Alex from midnight till two a.m. <laughs> Just to talk to the from two a.m. till four. I sleep. From four a.m. I drive to the airport. Then who I, drove? Uh, my wife drove me. Oh, okay. Get to JFL Montreal. Like it was like an hour flight. Yeah. I skip. They had a big brunch for meet and greet thing. Skip that. Sleep through it. I wake up. I set up the cameras. I have three cameras, tripod, set it all up. Go over the bit. Now I'm getting a little nervous, though. I'm like, fuck, I have a gun. And remember, I, I have a rule. I keep all the things in my pocket, right? <laughs> but then Mike, for some reason, goes, I want to film my interview with Chris Red." I'm like, oh, cool. But I'm like, I don't want to stand because I have the gun in my back pocket. Like this. <laughs> and Chris is in the room. Yeah. So you start your interview with Chris. You go first before the digital dessert. Yeah. And I'm manning the camera and have the floater camera <laughs> with the gun. I had no idea. And I hear his people. I know. I didn't want to tell you. Uh, his people are like, what's going on there? And I hear them talking about the gun in my thing. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. And I'm sweating fucking bullets. Oh, man. I'm so nervous. <laughs> Luckily, they didn't stop me. I don't okay. know why, but they didn't stop me. So then I do the bit with Chris Red. He's so down. He's like the rare type that the second he realizes I'm doing something funny, he's like willing to do everything. We're having the best time. And then at the end, I'm so confident with the gun. I'm like, hey, uh, you want to do some improv? He's like, yeah, let's do some improv, man. And I'm like, all right, you want the gun or the cell phone? (laughs) And he's like, gun. And I give him the gun. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to be playing a southern racist with a heart of gold. And then I won't say what happens. I don't want to ruin it. But it just goes great. And all like everything's all the tensions relieved, everything. And at the end, he's like, yo, that was awesome. He's like, that was so dope. He's like, I love when shit like this happens. And we're doing like two phase handshakes and like hugging each other. And then we have to see him again later on. And he's like, yo. And he like props me up and like everything. And I'm like, wow. That was, that was amazing. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Mike and I, we were pretty tired, right? Because Oh, yeah. We, it, was, it was like a, a 7 a.m. flight. So we were like, you know, you're up till 2 in the morning and then you're up at 5 to go to the airport. So it's like there was no sleep. You're just running on whatever. Yeah. So then we party all night. And that's, that's <laughs> kind of the thing you do at JFL. To really live it up, you have to go to all the shows. You have to party. Because if you don't, you're really missing out on an experience. Yeah. But by doing that, I'm losing a lot of planning because the next morning I have Michael Bryan from SNL and Melissa Villasenor. So I'm like, two digital desserts. Shit. No time to prepare. Okay. Party till 4 a.m. Wake up at 8 a.m. I'm feeling like I'm going to die because I was up for over 24 hours straight, partied all night, hung over as hell, not used to even drinking because I don't really drink that much anymore. And I start thinking about a bit. I'm like, okay. I got this bit with Michael Bryan where year, uh, years ago I sent him a DM and he didn't respond. Okay. I'm going to read him the DM and try to get the answer now in person. Like, no, they cannot. like, that's a good bit. Also, he played Jay-Z in a skit. 
I'm going to play with that. We're going to do a little improv based on that. Michael Bryan bit happens. Everything's going good. I read him the DM, but I forgot that the DM I sent him was about his cancer. He had skin cancer. Oh, okay. So I was wishing him well in my DM, and he just never got back to me. And I go, so what would you say now? And he goes, I would say thank you very much for your message. And does your family have a history of skin cancer? So we're just like in this cancer moment. Crothers is there. Everyone's like, where the fuck are you going with this, this, Shane? And I'm just like, all right, so you play Jay-Z. <laughs> and then I get into the bit where he just all of a sudden is pretending he's Jay-Z. And I'm asking what it's like to have intercourse with Beyonce. I'm like, okay, I kind of saved it. I can cut out the cancer bit. But okay, whatever. And Michael Bryan was the personality of like, I'm willing to go along for sure. this ride in this young comedic person give him a chance to see what he does with it sure. melissa via senor shows up and i was excited about melissa via senor because my wife and i have a fascination with her she has a very interesting voice uh-huh. like it literally is like hey hello like it's one of the only imitations my wife can do uh-huh. and i also in the the bit i wanted to show melissa the imitation my wife does of it i'm just gonna Baby, the outfit, and it's gonna be like really cute. And uh, I just can't get out of this voice. I don't know what it is. Start the bit, and I'm like, uh, my wife's not funny, you know. Like, I'm like, I made a mistake. I'm I married, like, I I'm married like, her for looks. I'm like, I married her for looks. <laughs> and you know, everyone said that she was the big catch, but you know what? I'm the catch because looks fade, but comedy lasts forever. <laughs> and I'm just playing this like obvious bit, but her face, she's like, oh no. Um, she's more i showed i showed mike the footage afterwards but she's so mortified and i'm like how do i get out of this i'm like i gotta go more silly so she knows so i go hey what are you wearing and who's your celebrity crush like as a joke the joke being these are totally ridiculous questions to ask a woman right but she's she's such an earnest person she goes well i'm wearing and goes through what she's wearing and she goes i really think javier Bardem is cute and she doesn't realize that i'm running a bit And then she has a think, and she's, like, really sizing me up. And she's like, wait, you don't actually think women aren't funny, do you? I go, oh, no, no. I'm like, this is just a character. Like, you know, this, like, in between two ferns, just not funny. Like, like, I I totally come clean. And she's like, okay, okay, cool. I'm like, yeah. And then we usually dance off. And then I I dance off. I'm like, oh, that was kind of saved. Uh And although that felt super awkward in the room, that plays – brilliantly when you edit it sure like that tension and all that is like it was one of my favorite ones but most people after you do these they leave melissa just hung around and she just stood there and we were like so uh thank you i kind of apologize if she was put off a little bit and she just like oh yeah yeah just it's like this is weird and it looked like she kind of had something on her mind but didn't necessarily say it in hindsight i'm thinking that sure then she left The next day, we have Brent Butt lined up, mm-hmm. Corner oh, yeah. star of Corner Gas. And I got a note to take it super easy on Brent Butt. It's a Bell Media property, Corner Gas, and yeah. we're in business. I'm absolutely going to take it so easy. That was the night we actually partied with Dave Chappelle. I was doing yeah. shots and took the piss <laughs> and all that. friend Dave and John as well, <laughs> Tiffany. So I wake up at uh, 8 a.m. again to plan my bit with Brent Butt and – Part of the bit is how he's the most famous person in Saskatchewan. So light, right? Yeah. But the second Brent saw that this was a comedic bit, like my opening line was something, his name may be Brent, but he may have done a show about gas. But trust me, he's no asshole. 
And I, I think people like 50 plus don't like like this youngster like alt comedy. Sure. So he's like, oh, so he fucking roast the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. The entire time he's he's making fun, making fun. I'm like, he's like oh, number two. Okay. And, two. I had, and I I wrote out some stuff on cue cards for him to say. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying anything you're going to want me to say. And he's just, <laughs> but it's awesome because I, I love that. And I, I do love being roasted. So I go to shake his hand. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leaves. And then uh, Dan Crothers is his liaison. Webby D. Webby D. And then I'm like, Dan, what did he say? And Dan was like, well, he said uh, the first interview with Mike was great. And then he wanted to know if he brought out his uh, special uh, brother to do the second <laughs> interview. I'm like, oh, special needs humor? I'm like, this guy's bluer than me. Like, so then we get a note back from management. Brent Butt was put off by the interview, but he's okay with it. I'm like, okay with it. No shit. He roasted me the entire, <laughs> he the entire great, time. Yeah. I'd be okay with that too. <laughs> but I'm still kind of down. I'm like, oh man, he, he was put off by that. I was trying to be so lame. Sure. And the joke was kind of going to be like how lame I was being. Not even like offensive at all, which I wasn't. I'm a little bit down. But I'm also elated that it's the last interview. Like I've, I did four digital desserts in four days. But I come down the elevator to have like the great dinner with Mike that we did all this work and in this impossibly short amount of time. And Mike just looks at me and shakes his head. I'm like, oh no, Brent backed out, didn't he? He goes, Melissa Villasenor, they want to get rid of your digital dessert. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no. Cause I'm just like, fuck, I should have stayed up all night, edited it, sent it to them, showed them how great it was going to be. And then I was just sad the entire night. Like I went out with Mike's wife also, Danica was there. Then we go to the bar and I'm just like, fuck, I'm having one drink. I'm going to bed right after that. But I see Vanessa Grimaldi yeah. from The Bachelor's there. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, tonight could be all right, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, and I want to, like, get um, cool. And you, want, you want redemption? I want yeah. redemption. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to play it so cool. And I might not even talk to her. But she's – and she, for some reason, she's always hovering in my area. <laughs> so everyone's like, Shane, Shane, Vanessa's there. I'm like, oh, I know. I know. <laughs> and uh, – Mike was usually picking up the drinks. <laughs> but this time I go, uh, Mike, you want a drink? And he's like, oh, Shane's getting the drinks. Oh, okay. I'll be right back. And I know Vanessa's watching me, at least in my delusional mind, I think that. So I go to the bar. One uh, vodka water, please. And I'll have a double rum and Coke. Because now I'm like, I really want to get loose. <laughs> and then while I'm waiting at the bar, I can feel like eyes in my back and stuff. Like I can just tell. And all of a sudden, like someone's like pinching my butt. I know it's probably a man. Usually when someone pinches my butt, it's a man doing a prank. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just going to ignore it. But then someone starts undoing. I have my shirt tucked in. They're undoing my shirt and like feeling like my butt area where my underwear is. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the? So I tuck it in. I'm like, one more thing. And I'm going to actually turn around. I'm like, I know this. Is Vanessa fucking with me right now? Like, is that what's going on? So then I, again, a butt pinch. I turn around. I'm like, hey, it's a girl like right in my face. She's like, Hi. I'm buying you a drink. Oh. She goes, can I? I'm like, because uh, no one has ever done that to me before, right? <laughs> and I don't want to because there's like an odd deal when you accept a drink. It's like she might be expecting something. <laughs> so okay. I'm like, yeah, okay. But she doesn't know that I have other drinks like a double and this vodka soda. So she's like, do you like sparkling champagne? I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> so it comes. But they all come together. And the guy's like, is this uh, together or separate? And she goes, okay, I'll get them all. And, and it came to 68 bucks, oh, all man. of this stuff. 
And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. She goes, I'm a trust fund kid. I don't care. She said this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now I have three drinks in my hand. And, and you've been gone for a while, and I'm still yeah, waiting for my yeah. vodka soda. So I'm holding a sparkling champagne, a vodka soda, and in my other hand, I have my double rum and coke. And all these girls are, like, chatting me up and stuff. <laughs> and a couple comedians were, too, because they were, like, trying to hit on the girls also. Yeah. Not that I was. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and then Mike looks over. And you had all these drinks, yeah. and it had been, like, ten minutes. And I'm like, you have five drinks, but not one of them has made their way back to me yeah. yet. I'm like, hold on. I got to give my friend a drink. So I give Mike the drink. Then I go back to the girl. And she's like, we're having an after party in my room. Oh, cool. I'm like, uh, okay. And I'm like, uh, like trying to flash my hand around. She's like, you're married. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I have a kid. I have everything, you know? <laughs> I have everything. <laughs> and then this other guy comes up and he goes, hey. He goes, my name's, I forget what his name is. He's like, my name's Earl. <laughs> That's a that TV, TV show. show. <laughs> what's more? What's more? <laughs> he said, my name's Homer Simpson. No, uh, what's a more realistic name? John. He said, my name's John. So I'm like, hey, John. And he's just staring at me. Like, that is the girl's boyfriend. Uh. I'm like, this is getting too weird. Yeah. So I go over to start talking to Mike. Do you think I should get a picture with Vanessa? And Mike's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to bide my time for a bit. And wait, like the pod fans will love this. I'm like, it'll be cool and all that. So I'm waiting with Mike. And then all of a sudden, the girl with the boyfriend comes over and starts chatting me up. She goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm, I'm going to get a picture with Vanessa. She goes, I want a picture with Vanessa too. Uh. I go, no, no, no. Like, I'm like, you could take it. I'll take one of you after. Just let me get it. She goes, no, let's get it together. I'm, uh. like, I'm, I'm not doing that. Please, no. And I'm fighting the woman. <laughs> and Vanessa's like, what is going on? And we're like arguing. But you're and then, standing just to yeah. like the right and of her. I turn around. I'm like, hey, Vanessa. Sorry to interrupt because she's talking to some other guy. She's like, I'm like, can I have a pick? She's like, hey. I know you from last year. I'm like, of course you do. I know know how she plays it. And she goes, "Uh, but I'm single this year. She she said that. 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 Did you hear that? Yeah. And then the boyfriend comes by and smashes all my drinks. (laughs) And I spill them all over her and all over the ground. (laughs) And I'm like, fuck, this doesn't look cool, but I'll play it cool. I was like, hey, bro, watch where you're going. You know, and then I'm like, let's get this picture. But all the drinks have spilled on the ground. So I'm like kind of on skates and I'm have my arm around Vanessa and she goes, you're spilling your drink all over me. She goes, you, can you please stop spilling your drink all over me? I'm like, I'm not. Just take the picture. She's like, you are. It's all going down my back. She goes, this is really annoying, she says. And I'm like, ah, I'm like ruined it again. And then afterwards, she kind of wanted to like have like a goodbye chat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so you're here again. And she's like, yep. And I go, oh. And I'm not cool at all right now. Like, I've lost all coolness. And then I'm like, oh, I knew you were going to be here because I follow you on Instagram and I saw your stories and it said you're at the bar. And I came and I got you. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. And she goes, yep. <laughs> and, and then the whole night I was like, Mike, where is she? Where is she? Because I was trying to redeem myself yet again. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, she just left. After I was that. like, she's gone, bro. But yeah, that was yeah. it. That's it. That's all. That's our episode. I hope you enjoyed our JFL special. The Michael Much Podcast can be found everywhere you listen to podcasts. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're listening to the podcast already. You can find us at Michael Much on Instagram and Twitter. The Michael Much Podcast is produced by Max Kerman. I'm your host, Mike Kerman. See you next week. We don't die on the weekend. <laughs>